0: Welcome to Straight Talk Recovery. Uh, my name is Raymond Moore, and I'm here with Adam Costow. Costy, and... but that's close enough. Costy, sorry, I always <laughs> get that wrong. So, welcome to our first episode of uh, Straight Talk Recovery. Um, we uh, decided to start this podcast as we were having discussions of how many people in the recovery community, those struggling with mental health and addictions, were having very limited ways of accessing care. And treatment. So, we thought it'd be kind of cool to put on a podcast, uh, both of us coming from clinical backgrounds, um, to talk about recovery, some of the things people are struggling with. What is addiction? What is mental health? Um, We'll be talking more in depth about coping skills and other various topics that people may be struggling with in recovery. Part of this podcast was inspired by numerous podcasts out there that do have um, a recovery based theme. And, you know, when we started to get this going, we were looking at the community out there that's reaching out to people um, during this difficult time. And we decided, hey, let's let's get on there and let's dedicate some time to um, helping people that may not have the uh,
1: ability to walk into a center and get some help. So, right. Yeah. Adam. And, th- and this is also not just about the person in recovery, their self or the person who's struggling because addiction d- and mental health doesn't just affect the person. It affects all those people around them. And so we want to resource and have an open discussion about these topics uh, that can actually help those who are trying to support someone with an addiction as well. And for them to better understand uh, as a, the society as a whole, we're, you know, there's still a long way we can go regarding mental health and addiction uh, and understanding it is the first step along the way.
0: So, I mean, before we get going, and I mean, I, I think it's it's clear to kind of look at um, what is addiction and, and what is mental health. And it's a very basic question. Um, you would think it'd be easy enough to go onto Google and find a very basic definition from this. Um, all the definitions specifically uh, in terms of addiction uh, vary from place to place. Um, we more so that work from a perspective of um I'll just read it off here and this is from the the American Society of Addiction Medicine uh, that addiction is defined as a treatable chronic medical disease involved involving complex interactions among among brain circuits genetics The environment and the individual's life experiences. So much of what we um, talk about is, is addiction from a maladaptive coping strategy perspective that people often pick up substances when they find it challenging to cope with real life situations. So much of how we will be talking about is through that perspective. We will touch on 12-step modalities later on. And basically, that's the 12 steps and how people utilize the 12 steps. Also be looking at things like cognitive behavioral therapy and other forms of therapy as well. So if you're new to this, uh, this should be a very exciting podcast for you.
1: Yeah. And so, again, like Ray was mentioning, is we want to talk about the impact addiction has on mental health of those around them. Uh, so as we go on with these podcasts, we're going to have an opportunity to reach out and talk about more uh, the different aspects of it. We'll have guests involved uh, to talk about the specific areas and their experiences as well uh, during the process. So we're going to be encouraging other people to uh, share their experiences and uh, more real-world type of uh, talks going on. Uh, from a mental health aspect, uh, it's it's incredible that uh, the numbers aren't even that up-to-date. They're struggling to even keep an idea of how much the cost is. Uh, when just looking at these numbers, trying to figure out in preparation for this, uh, the earliest number that I could find was 1998, where they say that in Canada uh ich, mental illness uh cost 7.9 billion dollars wow. wow on the economy so uh it, it's uh it's a big piece right now so uh ray why don't we start off going a little bit more about um addiction itself and the reasons that you know we've seen come uh for it come through our
0: well, I, I mean, I think for now, I mean, one of the most pressing issues, and I actually had a conversation with another, um, with an individual yesterday um, who asked specifically during these times, um, why do we see, see such a, a, an increase in the amount of people that are reaching out for help? So one of the more challenging things right now is, again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, was the accessibility for many people and we've seen you know a a a very large spike in virtual therapy so people utilizing more virtual methods um in order to get better that has been a transition for many people that are used to therapy that are used to counseling um uh, but also for the therapists and the the counselors and the helpers out there that are actually mm-hmm. trying to help those in need it's 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 definitely a very large transition so <clears throat> one of the biggest things we've seen because again if we're looking at addiction from a maladaptive coping strategy we are basically, um, you know, it's a very challenging time. We often suggest people to utilize support systems, utilize communities, utilize what is around them. And right now there's an, there's a, an actual mandate <laughs> uh, basically saying that you're not able to go and be within contact with people, which in recovery is an absolute uh, uh, Probably one of the most significant pieces of recovery is remaining connected and finding um, a recovery network. So right now, those struggling with addiction, especially those that struggle with isolation, that struggle with trauma, that may struggle with those things, um, are struggling that much harder because That's of right. the 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 inability to reach out for that that help. I mean, you did mention the numbers and I mean, I think I think we've seen numerous treatment centers open up. We've seen um a lot more attention on mental health, yet right. it's still very much a problem.
1: And I think you said, you know, bang on there with the isolation part of it because so often we talk about isolation, watch out for isolating as part of the recovery programs as part of recovery making sure that you the you know that a person is watching out that they're not isolating and here we are in a time uh in society where covid's rampant and we're actually being told to isolate and this is why we're seeing these startling numbers in the news every day about the opioid pandemic the overdose pandemic and the fact that we're seeing such a rise in numbers over this last year uh because it goes hand in hand with the isolation portion of, uh, what addictions, uh, a large portion of addiction, because with addiction, as people uh, become more addicted, they start isolating that much more. Uh, and now that they're being forced to isolate, it's a, the revolving door here.
0: Yeah. And there uh, th- th- there's numerous issues that come along with this too. I was looking into something yesterday where, um, one of, uh, one of the issues they're having is that a lot of people who use one particular substance are having difficulties getting it because COVID basically impacts everything, including, believe it or not, the distribution of certain substances. So, yeah. me- what many people are doing now is they're actually finding cheaper methods that are typically done in very uh, unsavory and unhealthy ways. Yeah. Uh, much of that is is the, the uh, the feedback I got was that many people are turning to drugs like crystal methamphetamine, which is very easy to kind of make for yourself or to find in uh, many different areas. So we're seeing a, a spike in um, certain drugs that would not normally be used, but because of accessibility, they're becoming more commonly uh, available.
1: Right. And at the same time, it was uh, I remember having a conversation with someone who actually described it as... The way we see a run on toilet paper at Costco is what they're seeing happening in the underground market for drugs and for anything else is that there's hoarding that people are grabbing. And then so those people who are already within the addiction are now struggling to get what they're used to and now reaching out to uh, areas that they're not, whether it's fentanyl, whether it's anything else. And all of a sudden they're getting themselves even into more trouble certainly certainly
0: i i i think one of the things to look at too is is you know for a first time Um, person who may be studying recovery or or getting an idea of what addiction is. I mean, it brings up a very good question. Uh, You know, there's a global pandemic happening right now, and there's still people that are going to buy drugs that are putting themselves in dangerous situations in order to Mm -hmm. obtain uh, the particular substance. And, you know, we are seeing the spikes. So, I, you know, I, I think it's important for us to talk about why it is that we're seeing such spikes. So with all of that happening, and basically everybody, you know, anxious to go out to the local Costco and and get their groceries, we have people that are going to extreme lengths to find substances they would not normally use, go to places they would not normally go in order to find these substances. So I, I think it's important that we actually talk about what keeps the addict going or what
1: keeps the alcoholic right. still drinking or drugging. Not everybody, when they're isolating, are isolating alone. So now what happens is we're having people who have even strained relationships, whether it's with a, uh, a spouse, a uh, family, other family members. And if they're cohabiting in the same household, right, the tension's growing and we're seeing uh, that as part of it as well, is using it as a coping mechanism just to be able to uh, survive the relationships. Definitely, definitely.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the basic understandings we have of addiction, and I mean, the, the way I most often explain uh, what a drug does. So, as complicated as that could be um, from many different perspectives, it's very simple. A drug changes the way you think and changes the way you feel. So, as we're sitting here during a global pandemic, Uh, We're not doing the activities we usually enjoy doing. Um, We are in situations with people that perhaps we need a little bit of space from, or whatever it may be. Um, Drugs become a very easy way of changing how you think and feel, ultimately, changing um, your perception of the reality that you currently sit in. And I think this is why we're seeing such a spike because it kind of gives you that artificial sense of control. Um, COVID or no COVID, most often people are using substances to alter or to change how they think and feel because they don't think and feel in a desirable way when they're not using a substance.
1: Right. I like how you put that. It's that, it's that escape from the current reality. Um, it's the change to, get, to mask what's going on, to get away from it, to have that break from it or that moment.
0: Definitely. I mean, I think you can see it even outside of the world of, of people that use substances or, or, or drink alcohol or engage in um, more processed style behaviors, gambling addiction, sex mm-hmm. addiction, and so on and so on. I, I think even outside of that particular community of people you're also seeing people finding very maladaptive ways of, of coping with their stress like whether it's overeating whether it's um, excessive internet time whether it's excessive television or whatever it may be everybody's finding their own ways to cope sadly sadly for people that have um, you know a past history of trauma or a mental health condition it just exacerbates it and make it that much more worse Because, again, there isn't very many options out there, seemingly, uh, Mm -hmm. of what it is they can do to get help,
1: right? Exactly. And those are the options, right? So a person is regularly used to going out, socializing, or being able to do uh, these activities. And all of a sudden, as those activities have been curtailed, where are they stuck? They're stuck in their own heads. They're stuck within themselves. And you know, it's been explained to me uh, by uh, one person is it's the cruelest place they could ever go is within themselves that there's no one crueler to them than themselves. And there's, and it's almost, they were explained to me is that they were escaping themselves at that uh, moment in time. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. And to go further on about the escape of themselves, it's important to understand that according to even Cam H is, You know, in any given year, they're saying that, and this was, you know, really before even COVID, that one out of five Canadians are going to experience mental illness or addiction, right? What I can say from my perspective, again, this is from what I see, is they're hand in hand. You can't separate the two, right? You can't uh, actually treat the addiction without treating the mental health uh, aspects of it as well. Uh, I think for too long in the past, there was this separation where people uh, were trying to keep the two apart. It's when we look at this organic uh, type of way and look at everything's together, then and only then can we really get some really good work done
0: and i think that's definitely been a, a big issue in the past at times a lot of times people would walk in to a psychiatrist's office or or whomever and get misdiagnosed based off the fact that they were actually dependent on a substance that was mimicking certain mental health uh, mm-hmm. issues right um i know a lot of times with people that are addicted to substances that i work with is most often that addiction is masking certain mental health conditions mm-hmm. that need to be addressed so right um, And that's why also, because a lot of those mental health conditions come with very uncomfortable uh, symptoms, if you will... It, they're actually masked by the substance. So although they see the substance as causing devastation in their life, it's allowing them to function. Um, and I use that word loosely. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows them to function at a capacity in which that they're comfortable functioning on, despite the fact that may be causing damage in other areas of their life. And they, this is where proper intervention is needed. And this is precisely what you're saying about you know addressing both issues as one rather than segregating one versus the other is addressing them basically
1: at the same time. That's right. So I just realized something really important that we haven't done yet. We introduced our names. So again, I'm Adam Costi. Uh It should just let you know that uh, I'm uh, a uh, clinical manager at Trafalgar Addiction Treatment Center. Uh, I'm a registered psychotherapist with a, a master's degree. Uh, so that's where my background comes in uh, as far as mental health. And I'll let Ray uh, introduce himself.
0: So I'm Raymond Moore. I'm uh, uh, Director of Programming at uh, Trafalgar Residence, and I have uh, an international certification in addiction counseling through the CCACF.
1: Right. And so uh, the way this podcast came about also is from the regular conversations that me and Ray have almost every day, what you're hearing today is uh, the kind of discussions we have about what's going on around us, what we're seeing. Uh, And we're constantly trying to dig deeper and get a better understanding. And we realize that while we don't have all the answers and we're still gathering information every single day, there's other people out there who need information as well, who want this information. So hopefully this will be a platform where we can share some of the knowledge and some of the uh, answers that we've come up with.
0: Exactly. And I, I mean, this This changes every day, it feels like almost. I mean, our conversations change dramatically, whether it's things happening in the community, whether it's things like the opiate crisis or whatever it may be. I mean, time times change, perspective treatment methods, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, changes, right? So I think it's important to have an ongoing dialogue. Um on, on this platform it is an excellent platform to reach people that may not um have the accessibility and, and the ability to hear about what's actually happening out there. Um and hopefully find ways that can that can help them and their loved ones, right? Right. So, I mean, a, a, a simple example is from the perspective of, you know, I have been in the field for a long time and I remember when I first started off, uh, much of the suggestions that were given to families about, you know, how to care for an alcoholic or an addict was very tough love, like they need to hit that bottom and if they don't want to uh, hit that bottom, you know, pull away all your resources, pull away all the the connection from them. And over the years, we have found that there was absolutely a big big mistake in the in the sense of connection is absolutely crucial in in mm-hmm. in early recovery, whether it's addiction or mental health mm-hmm. pulling away that support that love that care, whatever it may be is more detrimental than it is it, that than it is good right
1: right and, and what we're seeing is that these connections because of the addiction and other things going on in these relationships, damages the relationship damages the communication that's happening and so one part of recovery that, you know, we strongly push and I really believe is important is the repair of that relationship to open up the communication. Uh, because all too often we're seeing is it's the same communication over and over again. It's not working yet. If they're banging their heads off the walls, uh, trying to do it just louder as opposed oh, yeah. to changing the way it's done. And so what we're seeing and it's very clear is there's need for repair from both sides so it's not just the person who's struggling with the actual physical addiction but it's also the other side the parents the spouses uh siblings any those people who they have a relationship with uh, a lot of the cases we're seeing they're having their own struggles and some of the best outcomes that we see is when those people are get external support as well. They get the help, whether it's mental health, doing uh, some therapy or whatever. The more resources they have, the better the outcome is overall as a family unit, as a friendship unit, whichever type of relationship it is. Definitely,
0: definitely. And, and you know, one of the things that I've seen is the increase of support for for families. And what one of the things that we often explain is that, you know, addiction is a family problem. It, it is not this person has an addiction. I mean, to keep it as clear as possible, that, that family has an addiction within it, right? And And with that comes certain things. So, you know, you'll actually hear... Uh, people who are using a substance literally echo what their family is saying when it comes to things like I'm not being heard or I'm hurt or I'm resentful or I'm whatever. It happens on both ends. And you know if if the addict or the alcoholic or or whomever um, is trying to get better and the people in their life still remain hurt, perhaps maybe from the addiction or past events, whatever it may be, if they still are hurt, resentful or lack that trust, all it's really doing is being um uh it's it's the sickness remains so to speak mm-hmm. right so one of the things that you know we've really looked at over the years is is not only treating the the addict but treating the family as well
1: sure. right yeah and in in our family sessions we talk you know uh very much about that you know everyone's uh in the past has always talked about when it comes to addicts what are their triggers what are their triggers well, we turn it around and look at the family and spouses, and what are their triggers by what the the the, per, the, the person who's suffering does, you know, because they're all suffering. But the attic itself, what are the uh, triggers for that person? Exactly, because it goes both ways. Yeah, and they don't realize, and that's an eye opening to them. That like, oh yeah, when that person says that, uh, then it does. One of the one of the ones that uh, so often happens is very triggering for people is the word sorry. Yeah, it's amazing because (laughs) it becomes so second nature when you're uh, an addict and get caught at something or done something wrong. Of course, you're going to apologize. Well, it loses its meaning and actually brings on a whole new meaning. So instead of sorry, the other person hears in their head or in their actual emotions is, oh, what did they do now? Are they using again? Are they doing this? when it could have been actually a simple mistake, it no longer has the same meaning. And so they actually have to learn to change their vocabulary. That, Definitely. Definitely. I, I think
0: one of the biggest things, too, is is just education overall from from family. You know, m- many people still have this very moral perspective of substance use mm. that, you know, people have a choice. So I, I, I know the people that I've worked with uh, in the past. I mean, my own family included um, just to qualify out there, too. I've been in recovery and I've had my own issues with with alcohol in the past and you know one of the things that's very hard for families to understand is typically people view it from their perspective so they can see i can drink one drink i can put it away so basically my uh my level of knowledge stops there because i can do it therefore you should do it but it's very clear and i think we're going to kind of really define this as the podcast and the series goes on is that you know there are differences so the uh, the reason why one person may drink may be different than another person again, if somebody may enjoy a glass of wine or drink or whatever it may be, and you know it 's a temporary thing they can move on with their life. but again, other people do drink or use substances to change the way they think and feel because again, in a normal state when they 're sober when they 're feeling well. Uh, perhaps they're they're in pain or perhaps they're struggling with a mental health issue or perhaps there's something much deeper deeper there than simply a moral decision to give up substances and um and that they should just know better. So I think one of the uh, the coolest parts that I've seen over the years is a family starting to understand that addiction and mental health is a lot more complicated um, than um, once thought. Even from a mental health perspective, that whole, you're depressed? Well, just get a gym membership and run on to the gym, right? I mean... It, To be depressed, you you lack the ability to actually get up and do that, and that's happening on a physiological level. It's not simply a decision to just get up, lift a couple of weights, and you'll feel better. Uh, I mean, there is drive that we all have um, that allows us to get up and actually go out and do these things. So sadly for the person that's struggling with an addiction or a mental health issue, uh, they may not be fully aware of what's happening with them. So when when, when you ask them, why do you keep doing that, why do you keep hurting me, I mean, the number one answer you'll always hear is, I don't know, <laughs> right, and it's without a it's without a doubt the most honest answer anybody could possibly give because in reality they don't know
1: that's right if they until they do the the actual internal work and f- come to recognize what it is and share it with the other person be able to learn to communicate it in a way that is going to be understood is so important, and this way that you know what we' hope is you know we're going to stop hearing those people come in uh that say the other person keeps telling me just to stop. You know, no. <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, like we never it, thought of that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really simple. Just yeah. stop. Yeah. yeah. if You
0: know. Yeah. It's, it's, but I, but I think we're seeing an increase in, in understanding with that. And I think a lot of different uh, treatment approaches are really taking that into consideration to stop really talking about what the problem is. What the problem is, is is addiction. I mean, drugs are addictive from a chemical perspective. I mean, many of them are addictive to certain people. And there's many variables that go into it. It's not really the what. And I think Gabor Mate really kind of um, made it very trendy in asking the question, why? Why the addiction? Not what is the addiction or or what's happening, but why? Like, why why are people not looking at what's happening underneath the addiction? And, you know, I'll say from a personal perspective and my own struggles with addiction, a lot of the issues that happened in my life Predated my, my my use of substances. So uh, really only to kind of um, highlight the fact that substances were something me personally, I used in order to deal with uncomfortable emotions that I was struggling with. And like you said, it wasn't until I actually got in and looked at the work and looked beyond the fact um, that it was a moral issue or that I was just trying to cause issues in my life. When I really dug deep, I realized there was a great deal of pain there. there was There was that lack of connection, that support. Uh, And many other things that were personally happening. Right. So it's very, very important that people are looking at why why the addiction. Right. Like what is actually happening below that.
1: Right. Exactly. Because only when you know the why can you actually have the communication. And, you know, as we're getting ready to wrap up this session here for today is, you know, we want to say that, you know, one of the things that our goal to have this is to actually open up communication so that people actually not just hear some of the information that's here and then we, some of the conversations that we have, but are able to take it out and actually start having these conversations with other people so that it's communication, it's open dialogue. That's what needs to happen. So um, we wanted to thank you all on behalf of me uh, and Ray for uh, listening today and hope you tune in to uh, hopefully many more podcasts to come. Thanks a lot.